This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Last week we started our theme for Christmas, which we called Wonder. I just love that word, wonder, the wonder of Christmas, and there's something about this time of year, it's so special, and uh, through my children's eyes, and through people's, you just look at it, and there's a wonder of Christmas. The recap from last week, if you're here last week, we started, we talked about the, the, what that word wonder means, it's awe and amazement, it's, I love this definition, it says surprise mingled with admiration, isn't that a great definition, it's surprise mingled with admiration, and here's what I realized about wonder in my life, and in your life, is is that wonder seems to fade, doesn't it, after a while? That what was wonderful and amazing at one point fades later on. I remember first time at Niagara Falls. I saw Niagara Falls. I was amazed by Niagara Falls. It's a, it's a national wonder. It's an international wonder. But after a few times, I can just walk by the falls, and the amazement and the awe had passed. And we have a tendency to lose our wonder. Christmas is no different. Going back to your childhood, the amazement and wonder around this season, our goal over these next few weeks, is to reignite and, 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 and stir up the wonder of this time of year. It's more than just buying gifts. It's more than just the malls and decorations. It is a wonder of what God did and we celebrate in this season. Can someone say amen? We also said that things happen because we lose the wonder. Things seem to go from wow to whatever when you lose the wonder. Things that at one time were wow become whatever. When you lose that wonder, you start to wander. It can be your marriage, relationships, or even your faith that when you lose the wonder of your marriage or maybe a friendship or even your faith, you can lose your wonder. What happens is eventually you start to wander. We see it in the Bible over and over. People were amazed what God did even in the Old Testament with the Israelites and the wonder of it. But over time, when you lose the wonder, you start to wander. And we believe that sometimes we wander in our faith. We want to ignite and just freshen up the wonder in our life because God is good. Last week we talked about it's a wonder who God uses. Isn't it a wonder who God uses? We read in Matthew, as Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus, it's like the ancestry.ca. It's, it's like, hey, where did he come from? Where did his parents come from? And it walked through this whole lineage and genealogy, and it mentioned Rahab the prostitute, and it mentioned Mary the virgin mother. And we looked at the contrast of it's a wonder who God uses. He uses the shouldn'ts and the couldn'ts. Rahab was a shouldn't. She shouldn't have been involved in that story. She had too much baggage, too much pain. People know her by her Facebook status and what she had done last week, last summer, and last night. And she shouldn't have been included into the greatest mission ever played, which was Jesus coming to earth. She shouldn't have been a part of it. But then there's Mary. She, she couldn't be expected to know what to do with the baby. She was the virgin Mary. She'd never raised a kid. And, and it's dangerous to put something of such value into untrained hands and the the son of God who would be the rescue mission for mankind to put him in someone's hands who had never raised a kid had never navigated the fever of childhood or 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 navigated teaching and learning and just the the things that go with parenting to put it into an untrained untested care of hands she she couldn't be expected to know what to do but isn't it amazing I am so thankful that God uses the shouldn'ts and the couldn'ts to tell his story. That's the wonder of Christmas, is who God uses. Some of you shouldn't be involved in God's plan. You've done too much. Some of you couldn't be expected to be used by God because you don't have any talents or skills, and I'm the chief of them all, but God uses the shouldn'ts and the couldn'ts to tell his story. That's the wonder of Christmas. 
So good. Hope you're encouraged tonight. Tonight, tonight we're going to read the, the Gospel of Luke. Last week we started with the Gospel of Matthew and the Christmas story, but tonight we're going to read Luke and start reading in verse 1. In verse 1, the story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and they're pregnant, and they're showing up to Bethlehem, and there's a King Herod who's trying to kill them, and there's wise men that are showing up to give gifts, and there's this whole story, the, the well-known story of Christmas. We pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin, God sent an angel of Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. This is so good. It says, Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I like that. I, I take encouragement from that. Sometimes when, we, when God speaks, we think it's going to be this enlightenment, angels on the side of a hill. We're going to have direction for our life. But it says Mary heard a, a, a message from heaven, and she was confused and disturbed, or as I wrote down, bewildered and bothered. Sometimes when God speaks to you, it won't make sense, and it won't please you. It'll bother you and disturb you. I want to let you know sometimes God will speak to you and give you a vision for your life or to help somebody, and it will actually aggravate you and annoy you and frustrate you, and you won't understand it. That's the beauty of heaven. We say things all the time in church like God's a gentleman and he doesn't interrupt. No, he's not. He interrupts all the time. Read your Bible. He knocked Saul off his donkey and blinded him. He made Joseph be swallowed by a fish and be vomited. Come on, somebody. He circumcised most of the Old Testament. God is more concerned about your calling than your comfort. And he'll disrupt you. He'll interrupt you. He'll bother you. Why? Because he knows where you are and where he needs to get you. And it's more important the message than how you feel about it. It says, Mary, it says, I love this, it says she was confused and disturbed. It's a great start, isn't it? It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. And he will be very great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, who will be called the Son of God. What's more? Oh, I like that. What's more? Your relative Elizabeth has already become pregnant in her old age. People said it can't be done. She's a shouldn't and a couldn't, but she's pregnant. And people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son, and now in her sixth month, for the word of the Lord would never fail. Can I just let you know what's more? That sometimes God will get a word to you, and what's more, it'll overflow, not just for you, but for a city, for a nation, for your neighborhood, for your family. Can I encourage you, when God gives you a word and God speaks to you, sometimes it'll overflow to people not even expecting it. I was out with someone this week, one of our amazing dream team people, and they're helping us. They're like, hey, I love the church, man. And they're talking about the church, and they go, but you know what else? I've met some people already on that team that I know they're going to be friends for life. And I'm like, you know what? What's more? You came for a church. We came for a church to help the city and help other churches reach people and love people. But what's more, people are having relationships and fun and building things. Listen, what God spoke to a few of us will be what's more for our city. God spoke to Mary and said, I got a word and a mission, but what's more? This is bigger than you. And the baby in your cousin is coming to prepare the way for your son. And God will bring people to your life to help prepare the way for the message of your life. God is joining people together. This is bigger than us. 
We are here today because of others that have paved the way for us. There's even men in this room who have given sacrificially in their churches and, and people have come together and built this. And people, listen, people have paved. We are here not because of our own strength or talents, but the goodness of God and the preparation of others. What's more? Oh, there's what's more. There's more coming. There's more from God. Then it says this, and Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left here. Tonight as I was looking for titles for this, I thought of a couple titles for those epic people in the room. I thought of calling this the game of Christmas thrones. <laughs> the message is coming, you know. For the Netflix people, I thought manger things. I thought we could call it that, manger things. <clears throat> and for the criers in the group, I thought we'd just call it this is us. This is, this is us. But I wanted to encourage you, not depress you. Come on, somebody. If you're writing notes tonight, just want to write this title down somewhere. Just, I want you to marinate on this thought from your head and get it down into your spirit tonight. The wonder of love. Doesn't that sound like an 80s ballad right there? I hear Phil Collins in the background singing that, or Chicago. The wonder of love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for your word, Father. It's more than just historic. It's more than inspirational. Father, we believe it's divine. And we're believing tonight, uh, Father, that your word would not return empty. But God, these next few minutes, even as we just unpack your scripture tonight and your word, that, Father, I expect a return tonight of hope, of conviction, of joy, of peace, of, Father God, an awakening, awakening of wonder in our lives. Father, help me speak clearly and well. Help us listen and implement. And tonight, may we leave here more in love with you and your plan for our lives. And everybody said, love. There's a term, isn't there? I think it's overused and it's misunderstood. The word love, we use that time, that time. DC Talk in the 90s, love is a verb. That's what they said love was. Tina Turner, come on, she was the Beyonce before there was Beyonce. Had a song, what's love got to do with it? Love, the power of love. See, the Christmas story is all about the wonder of love. You need to know tonight that it's, it's more than just gifts and Santa. It's more than just mangers and wise men. Really, the Christmas story unpacks and is a demonstration of the wonder of love. See, the Christmas story is a battle in a long-standing war since creation, and we battled it even today, and this is the battle that the Christmas story deals with. It's this, who will be on the throne of our hearts? Will we serve God who made us, or will we serve ourselves, our needs, and our emotions? And the Christmas story is a story of love, and it's a battle of who's in charge of our lives. That's the Christmas story. The wonder of love. Or will we put God on the throne, or we put ourselves on the throne in control of our lives? The wonder of love is it always puts others first. Thinking about love in the Christmas story, it's a story of love. The wonder of love is it always puts others first. That's love. Lust is always taking, love is always giving, and we confuse that. We have people that date and people that hang out and they're like, I love you. No, no, they're trying to get something from you. Lust is always taking, always has a more to take. Love is always about putting others first and giving. See, the Christmas story is a love story. Yes, it's full of adventure and young romance and there's kings and castles and treasure. But you know what's interesting? There's a few things you won't find in this love story. There's a few things you won't find anywhere in the Christmas story. And here's what they are. You won't find convenience. You won't find comfort. You won't find anything made easy in the Christmas story. 
Isn't it interesting that we look at love stories like ones of ease and romance and where the butterflies and unicorns and double rainbows and frappuccinos, come on somebody. But in the Christmas story, which is the greatest love story, you won't find comfort or convenience. You'll find teenage pregnancy. You'll find unprepared parents financially, emotionally, relationally. You'll find risky road trips with with a mother in labor about to give birth, you'll find a mad king committed to genocide. You'll find that in the story. You'll find a family becoming refugees, fleeing violence in their country, and going to Egypt who become refugees in another country. If you're wondering what our response needs to be to the refugees in our city, our Savior was a refugee running for his life and his family's life. You'll find that in the story. The child Jesus growing up knowing How about this for a mission? He knew his mission was to die. He was a walking dead man, knowing in the middle of this story, as his mother, and he started to unfold in revelation, understanding that he was God's son, and he had a plan that his mission was to die. That's in this story, but you won't find comfort or convenience. See, the wonder of love, this is so good, is that no matter what the environment or timing, it's always generous to others. That's the wonder of love. The wonder of love is it whether it feels right or feels good. It doesn't matter if it's convenient or the right timing or you have enough. Love always gives no matter what the environment is. The tougher the situation, the more love gives. The Christmas story, we, 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 we picture the Christmas trees and the angels and Frankenstein and myrrh. Come on, somebody. But, but really, the Christmas story is one of tension and tragedy and inconvenience and, and, and tension and battles and murder and love between this couple and their God, and the middle of that, the more tough it became, the more love gives. We have to get this definition right in our culture, in our church, that love is not about when it's easy. The more difficult life becomes, the more love steps in. That's the wonder of love. That's the power of love. Love makes a way where there seems to be no way. The love story, the Christmas story, is a story of giving. God gave his son. Mary gave her future. Joseph gave his reputation. The wise men gave their riches, and Jesus gave his life. The Christmas story, the wonder of love, is that when love is involved, you have to give something. Love has to give. The wonder of love is that it's rooted in giving. See, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I'm going to say that again. You can give without loving. You can give out of pity. You can see people on the side of the road or less fortunate going, ah, I just feel bad for them. You can give out of guilt. We pray that no one ever walks in a church like this and gives out of guilt. Listen, the Bible says a cheerful giver, but you can give without loving. You can give out of guilt or pity or shame, embarrassed. But it's impossible to love and not give. It's impossible. Whenever love comes in, that you're like, I just need to give you my time. I need to give you what I have. That's what love does. So how do you battle? How do we as a culture battle selfishness? How do we grow in generosity the power the wonder of love how do we grow in the wonder of love it's a great question because this is a battle we are in it's the battle of creation of who's in charge it's the battle of the christmas story of who's in charge we put god's plan first or our own selfish needs first and there's this battle and it's being fought in the malls and in churches and in hearts all over our city tonight is who will we put first And the wonder of love is always putting others above ourselves. 
But I'd be amiss to say sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes you're like, you know what, I can give this amount of my time and mercy and hope and forgiveness and finances, and, but not this much. How do we grow in generosity? How do we grow in love? Here's the first question I have for you tonight. Who are you fighting for? Just think about that for a moment. Who are you fighting for? See, there are four main characters I want to focus on in the story tonight. Four main characters quickly that are surrounding Jesus' birth. Three were a part of the rescue plan. Three were a part of telling this message of Jesus coming to save his people. God sending his son to save. There are three that were part of the rescue plan. God, Joseph, and Mary. And there was one character opposed to the plan. His name was King Herod. See, their love decided to fight. One of them loved themselves, and the other three loved God and his plan. Let me ask you tonight, who are you fighting for in this battle? Because who you fight for will determine who you love, and who you love will determine who you fight for, and your generosity is always tied to who you love. We have people that love themselves more than anyone else, and that's usually why they're moody. Moodiness is one of the highest forms of selfishness. What you're saying is, my emotions are more important than your atmosphere. You ever meet someone that's moody? Listen, if they're sitting next to you, do not look at them. Do not point at them. Some of you are like, I'm just looking straight ahead. You're going to get me in trouble, preacher. But you ever meet someone that's moody? Like, they're up and down. They're just all over the place. And what they're saying is, I don't care what you think or what the atmosphere is. My mood is more important than this atmosphere or your day. And they'll just come in moody. My question is, who you're fighting for yourself tonight? Fighting for yourself or fighting for others? God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, they loved us. That's who they fought for. The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave us his son. Joseph, what he loved, he loved Mary. He didn't want to shame her, so he gave up his reputation and took her on because he loved her. And in that fight, who he loved determined who he fought for. And God fought for us, but Joseph fought for Mary. He says, no, no, I love her. I won't shame her. Because who you love is who you'll fight for. Mary loved her nation. It says that the angel said, he will be the deliverer of my people. He will lead this nation forever. And Mary said, I love my people. I love my parents. I love my neighbors. I love my future kids. I love everyone in this. I know what we need, a Messiah. And because of her love for her people, she gave of herself. But Herod loved himself. This evil King Herod, who was on the throne, heard about this king. We read it in Matthew 2, verse 3. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard all these things about Jesus and his birth, and he called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. And he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? History tells us, the scripture says that later on, he, he made a, a rule saying, let's kill every boy under the age of two. And a genocide happened. Why? Because his fight was tied to who he loved. He loved his power more than he loved the people. He loved his possessions, his throne, more than he loved the purposes of God. And because who he loved is who he fought for. Tonight, if you're struggling to live a life of generosity, if you're struggling tonight to go, man, I just, I'm obsessed with my life and my care, here's the question. Who are you fighting for tonight? How do you grow in your generosity? I think you've got to put a face on your fight. Listen to me tonight. If you want to grow in generosity, the wonder of Christmas, the wonder of love is the fight and the faces attached to it. If you want to grow tonight, you've got to put a fight on your faith. You've got to put a, a face on your fight. Put a face on the fight. Mary had her own dreams, didn't she? 
This teenager would have had dreams of what her life was going to be like. I'm sure her friends, I have a daughter, and, and they get together and they play. And my daughter said to me a couple weeks ago, hey, I know what I'm going to do with my life. She's 11 next week. I'm like, you know what you're going to do with your life. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. She's like, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be a farmer. I'm like, you're going to be a farmer. Yeah, I love animals. I'm like, do you know, Maddie, that, that farmers get up at 4 a.m.? She's no, I'm not that kind of farmer. I'm like, they live in the country. There might not be, like, high-speed internet. She's normally live in a condo. I'm not that kind of farmer. I'm like, you know, you know, right? Like, you got to work really hard. She goes, yeah, I'm not that kind of farmer. I think Maddie's realized she's not going to be a farmer. I want to let you know tonight that Mary had her own dreams. And my daughter gets around. They talk about what they're going to be when they get older. And they, they play house and they play family. And I'm sure Mary had dreams about her wedding. She had dreams about family and what that would look like of living a peaceful life and not being a part of a divine war and battle to free people. She had dreams for her life. But Mary gave her future because of the wonder of love. See, Mary wasn't focused on what she was losing, please don't miss this, but who she was saving. My friend, it always comes back to people. It always comes back to faces. The most painful memory in your life and the best memory in your life has a face attached to it. It's all about people. If you're struggling in this Christmas season to grow your generosity and the love, can I encourage you? Put a face on your fight. Mary didn't focus on what she was losing, but who she was saving. Mary saw a need she could meet, not a freedom she would lose. Generosity is rooted in love. Greed is rooted in fear. Some people don't give their love, their relationship, their money because of fear, but if I give, I won't have enough. Love is always rooted in generosity, but greed has a fear attached to it. Generosity is others-focused. Greed is me-focused. Generosity builds a legacy. Greed ends in tragedy. Read the story of Herod. His life ended in tragedy. Greed always ends in tragedy. Greed sees possessions. Love sees people. Love dares to be selfless in a selfie world. In a world full of selfies, love dares to be selfless in the middle of a selfie world. Listen, if you love you'll have a generous spirit, generous and kind words. We have someone on our team named Andrew, and at our Christmas party, he was Buddy the Elf. He's the closest thing to Buddy the Elf you'll ever meet in your life. To know Andrew is to love Andrew. First time I met Andrew, he was drinking milk and eating Pop-Tarts. And the first time I met him, I thought, love this kid, but he'll never touch a microphone in anything I ever run. After a year, I'm like, Andrew, we need you on the microphone as often as possible. Why? Because he has a generous spirit. He's generous with his words. You meet Andrew, there's no sarcasm or, or malicious. He'll like, I like your hair. Guys, girls, doesn't matter who you are. I like your sweater. If you're bald, I like your scalp. You know, like, it doesn't matter. He'll, he'll just walk up to you. I like your clothes. I like your car. It's a beautiful day. And he is the happiest boy. He is generous with his encouragement. Why is it sometimes we can't do that? Someone has a nicer car than us, we just hold it in. Someone has a new clothes, we, we hold, someone is, gets a promotion, and we're like, we don't want to puff up their heads. In the Maritimes, we have this thing where we hold people down. Can I encourage you, when, you're, when you love, you're generous with your words and your encouragement. Kind words. Generous in your forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean they deserve it. If that means your future means more than their mistake. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting everyone else to die. Unforgiveness will take away your freshness and take away the wonder in your life. Listen, we need to be generous with our forgiveness. We need to be generous with our mercy. What's the difference between forgiveness and mercy? Mercy means you have the ability to make them pay and you choose to let them go. God could have made us pay for our mistakes and our sin, but his mercy said, I'll pay the price. 
Some of you need to be generous going, I could show them up. I could expose them. I could say things about them. I could do things. We need to be generous in our mercy. Oh, the power and the wonder of love. Generous in our time. Time is more valuable than money. Our dream team, I brag on them, and some of you are like, they keep clapping for their team. You know why? Because the amount of time it takes to pull this off every week, I am blown away by the people in this room that go, I'll help. I'll be a part of this dream. I'll be a part of this vision of reaching people and helping people. And they show up early and stay late, and they, they do what they have to do, and they're, they're holding their kids, and they're moving things around, and they're fixing schedules. And Why? They're generous with their time and generous in their possessions. This church has been built by people and churches that have said, listen, we are generous with our possessions. Why? Because we love people, not power. We love people, not possessions, because we're generous with our stuff. Why? Because he is in all and through all, and they have a love greater than possessions. Listen, what you love changes the fight. This week, I was out with two amazing dream team members, and I I said to Nancy, I've got to get out with some dream team. Why? Because i got to put a face back on the fight. Went out with these two young men this week, and I left there feeling like, man, we've got a great church and great people. Never met them before. They serve every week, heard their story. I walked away going, I got some more fight in me now for the week. I got some more passion. Why? I can get up one more time. I can go load that truck one more time. I can prepare that message one more time. Why? I put a face on my fight. I want to invite my wife out right now. She want, I want to hear her, her story tonight of a woman that put a face on her fight in the middle of her struggle in her teenage years and 20s. In the middle of it, she grew in her generosity, grew in the wonder of love because she put a face on her fight. The, I was actually face-to-face with my fight because it was for my family. And even just as a little girl, um, I can relate a lot to Mary because I was just a kid forced to be in a situation where um, my parents divorced and there was five of us. And so my mom turned to alcohol as a coping mechanism, and we would run out of money and food and resources to live as a family. And even as a little girl, I would think, how can I help? What can I do? How can I make us better? And oftentimes, even it was my early teenage years, but then it would just trickle on through because the dysfunction still stayed, and nobody really knew how to help us. So my younger brothers, I remember having the extremely buzz-cut haircut because we couldn't afford to cut their hair. They didn't get stylish haircuts like my son and my little girl does. We would fry onions for supper because we had no food. And I would watch my mom... And she would go from party to party to party. And I would find her there. And then she would come home and be in a drunken stupor. And we would have to help her out of her vomit. And all in the meantime, I'm leaning in. And I'm feeling a lot like Mary. Going, is this really what I'm supposed to fulfill? Is this really my life? Mike and I joke a lot about my clothes. When we got married, my church had an amazing party for us and gave us a ton of money. Mike goes, this is incredible. Like, you got married, you brought one bag of clothes with you. Go get some clothes. So I go out, and it's very overwhelming for me because I was not a shopper. I didn't do those things. 
I didn't have the fancy boots. I didn't, I was going to parent teacher because later in the journey, I went to court to get custody of my brothers and sisters. So Mike was like, go on out, get yourself some clothes. And I came back. He's like, you didn't buy anything? I'm like, no, I couldn't do it. I didn't know how to shop. I didn't know. I didn't have those resources to actually have fun with it. And I'm just really thankful that being married, it's so interesting how God takes a twist in things. I didn't, I wasn't even raised in a family that were godly or even did well. They were actually very unhealthy. And everything that I poured into them to help, I went to BC, worked three jobs, came back home, bought a vehicle, would take the kids to school, would pay for the lunches, would do all those things. And then God goes, in all that you sacrifice, Nancy, I am going to gift you this family. This is going to be your gift. This is going to fulfill you on this earth. But it was never, like Mike said, comfortable or easy. But I know, just like Mary, I did a lot of believing and loving I saw my family go through the struggles. It was right under my nose. And I believed God would help me in it, and he did. And it's not a parade of perfection for my family, but we are healthy, we are strong. I have a husband of 17 years. My parents divorced when I was 12. That's the fulfillment that God has in a plan. I have two healthy children. We have a vibrant, thriving, flourishing church with a lot of loving people, with a living God. That's a good day. That's a good day. I'm really thankful. And I think that a lot of it was, I know that people would say that you love your family, but it wasn't easy to love them a lot, especially my mom and dad when you feel like they're old enough and responsible enough to take care of you as kids. But they did their absolute best. And they tried to love. I'm just really thankful. I met Nancy. I met Nancy. And uh, don't make me cry tonight. It's Christmas. I know. I cry ugly. I met Nancy, and she had custody of her 16-year-old brother, who was six foot one, 210 pounds. She had to hide food in her basement apartment because he'd eat it all. I met her, she was going to parent-teacher meetings. I remember thinking, this girl has talent and dreams, and most 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds are thinking about the next vacation, and that's normal, or the car they're gonna buy, or what job they're gonna get, and who they're gonna marry, but this one was focused on her brother to get him through school. She fought her mother in court and won to provide, and when I met her, she was like a single mother, and I remember thinking, if she's- not cute. She was very cute. She was very cute. Dressed like she was 80, but she's very cute. Fuzzy, don't, let's not bring up what the blood is covered. Let's just leave the fuzzy sweaters alone. All right. It's like ugly Christmas sweater every day of the year. It was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. All right. <clears throat> I remember calling her once, and she said, I got to go. My brother's coming home. I want to make sure I have something made for, for dinner for him. And I remember thinking, I know she likes me, because, like, why wouldn't she, right? But I remember, th- I, remember think- I remember thinking, if she's that good to her brother, How good will she be to her husband? You know what changed for Nancy? She put a face on her fight. 
It, was, it wasn't that it was the easy thing, but she couldn't leave her brother in the mess she grew up in. And when she put a face on her fight, the generosity came with it. And now she's the woman we see today. Listen, I want to encourage you tonight as we get ready to close. You need to know this tonight. You were the face on his fight. God bankrupted heaven. The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his son. Why? We were the face on his fight. He so loved us. He said, I will bankrupt heaven. I'll fight through whatever I got to do. Why? Because he put a face on the fight. God so loved us, he gave. Tonight, I want to let you know that you're the face on this fight. The reason why we do church, we built this church for people far from God and people we don't know. If you can just bow every head and close every eye just for a moment, I just want to pray tonight. If you walked in here and you're far from God, you're like, Mike, I'm enjoying this tonight. The coffee was good. and People are friendly, but you know you're far from God. You don't know God. I want to let you know tonight that you are the face on his fight. He is so generous. He gave everything he had for you. Not a building, not a name on a church but for your face and your future. If you're like, Mike, I'm far from God, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then you can just put it right back down. I want to pray for you tonight. This Christmas, the wonder of love is that you walked in here far from God. But the best Christmas gift you could ever have is knowing the God that made you and loves you tonight wants to reconnect with you. And you are the face on his fight. On the count of three, if you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me tonight that I would know Jesus start my journey of faith. You're not joining a church, but you are reconnecting with your Lord and Savior. You say, Mike, if that's me on the count of three, I'm going to raise your hand. One, it's not everybody, but it's somebody. Two, the wonder of love is that he thought of your face in this fight. All over this place, three, if that's you, slide your hand up as quick as you can. You can put it right back down, right back down. I'll, I'll wait one more time. You can put it right up and put it right back down. Yeah, see that hand. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this night. Father, I thank you for these amazing people under the sound of my voice. Father, I'm thankful that, God, we were on your mind when you were on the cross. That, God, we were the face in the fight. Father, right now, I pray right now, God, that you would come in and do a work. Father, I thank you. Pray that you would forgive us of our sin and our choices and we're far from you. I pray, God, you would rush in with generous mercy and forgiveness and hope. And I pray right now you would make yourself real in our lives. Those that lifted their hands tonight, Father, would you make yourself real? Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our choices. Where we've walked away from you. And tonight we say, God, we choose you and your ways and your path. We put you back on the throne of our lives. We let you take the wheel of the car of our lives. You're in control. You steer it. We choose you. God, thank you for fighting for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, tonight as we close, if you made that prayer tonight, you have one of these cards when you walked in. I want to challenge you on the front of it. It says, I made a commitment to Christ. Would you just fill that out? And in a moment, when the buckets go by, put it in. Here's what's not going to happen. No one's going to call you. No one's going to visit you. We're just going to email you and say, hey, welcome to the journey and give you some information of how you can connect if you want to. But would you fill that out? If you prayed that prayer tonight, fill that out. Drop it in the bucket or drop it in the baskets on the way out. Tonight, we... We're taking a special offering, and we call it, we have the slide here, our Nova Christmas gift. Isn't that really creative? I thought a long time about that. It's like marketing genius right there. Last week, if you were here, we talked about we have a desire to put
put a face on our fight to be generous. I, I struggle, me and Nancy talked, do we do a challenge this year? God's been good to our church and thank you for your generosity and giving and we have dreams and we need to pay bills, but this is beyond that. I said, Nancy, what about our heart? Do we need to do something to be generous to our community? And I met with the principal of the high school, this high school, a month ago. I said, what's your need? I said, can we, can we redo your teacher's lounge? That'd be cool. I had visions of a video and move that bus. Come on, I put my hair up like Ty and it'd be awesome. And we put Keurig and Ikea stuff. And he said, yeah, that's cool. He said, but you know what we really need? He said, we have kids coming to this school hungry every day. He said, Mike, we're a, we have really rich, well-off families. And we're thankful that they're doing well, but we have really poor families. We have refugees and we have fishing communities and we have well-off and everything in between. He said, we have a feeding program that's three days a week, but even then it's barely staffed. And he's like, kids are hungry in classes. He said, do you think you have people that could help us with that? I'm like, I think we do. I looked at these numbers this week. Children in poverty, 26.9% of children in Halifax are living in poverty. Think about that, 30%. Almost one in three are living in poverty. Nova Scotia has the third highest child poverty rate in Canada. 20% of households do not have secure access to food. That's the highest food insecurity in the country. Halifax has the highest rate of people not knowing where their next meal is coming from in the country. Breakfast programs. It's one way we can help. Why is breakfast so important? I was sent these statistics. One in five kids across the country start their day with an empty stomach due to lack of access to nutritious food. Poor nutrition can lead to significant health problems, including chronic illness and mental health problems. It's been found that 60% of learning happens before lunchtime, which means if you don't have breakfast, it has a significant implication on your child's success in school. I said to the Tim principal, I said, I, I don't know what we can do. He said, how much? He said, well, we'd like to go five days a week. He said, it's a, it's a big deal. And how much? He was, it's a lot of money. I said, just give me a number. He said, could be as much as $8,000, dollars $8,000. I was like, okay. I said, I know some people that want to put a face on their fight. And we are thankful for being able to have Costco and Walmart and provide and we don't look down on that. We're thankful that we are blessed, but we are blessed to be a blessing. And we thought tonight, if we would put a face on the fight, that maybe Nova could give a Christmas gift to this school. We get to walk in and go, we can cover some and maybe even all of that feeding program. Tonight we're going to challenge you in a moment. We're going to sing the song. If you see that envelope, if you need another envelope, the ushers have more envelopes. If you need another envelope, you can raise your hand. In a moment, the debit machines will be open. You can see if you can put the information back up, Jeremy, for text to give. And just mark, if you're text to give, just put special or other on the, when you text on your envelope, just put other or special on debit. And tonight, I believe, as we sing this last song, I believe we can put a face on this fight. Do you believe it tonight? Because the power and the wonder of love is it has to give. Amen? Let's pray as we give. Father, I thank you. Father, we're committed as a couple to lead this tonight. We're putting a face, Father. We're thankful for there's food in our cupboard tonight. We pray for these students in this jurisdiction. Kids coming in here, different, some are refugees, some are, look like they have it all together on the outside, but there are struggles in their home. Father, we pray we would do our part, that God, we, we cannot, we cannot love without giving. And tonight we're thankful, Father, we love our city. So God, we put a face on this fight. 
Father, we pray that you would do something tonight to reach the school and use us to be a part of the story of what you want to do. Bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Ushers, if you could pass me an offering envelope, wave your hand. Ushers are going to give this tonight. We're going to encourage you. Debit's going to be open. Can we sing this song together? Let's sing this song. Can we stand to our feet tonight? Text to give. We'll put that number back up. If you can put that back up, Jeremy. If you want to text to give. Debit's open. Let's sing this song together as we get ready to close tonight. And have a Merry Christmas.